of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by... Professor Wagstaff. Venomous Vinny. Hot toddy. Good to be with you again, friends, as we enter into interesting territory, as I would say. Uh, Boy, the Italian horror genre. Ain't it something? What do you think, Professor? (laughs) Uh, I, it, it grabbed me, uh, quite a few years back in a major way, but it's not for everybody. And, uh, as you'll find out, and you have probably in the past, dear listeners, not always the easiest to talk about, <laughs> but we're going to give it a go. We're going to do our best. We're going to give it a go. And we're going to talk about a little franchise. Yeah. We're up maybe to three films. Maybe, maybe. Uh, but we're going to talk about a film series called Demons. Demons 1, Demons 2, and Todd would have you believe that there's a Demons 3 as well. So there we go. Has anybody watched these movies before? Uh, Actually, yes, I yes. have seen both of these. I've seen the first one. Toddy? Uh, I have seen both. Luckily, I didn't see them in a theater. I would be dead. (laughs) (laughs) I I had seen the first one uh, many years ago. And so I've been looking to I've been looking for an excuse to revisit these. And uh, these were gifted to me. And so I said, hey, hey, I got a gift. The professor loves these. Let's take them for a test drive. So that's because everyone at. knows demons isn't in a dollar bin. It is not. It is. <laughs> You're not going to find that at Dollar Tree or Big Lots or even Walmart. So uh, <laughs> you got to seek these out. So, um, Toddy, can you hit us with the dates and details of the first film? All right. So, demons or demani, if you're Italian. <laughs> was released in 1985 uh, and it is sorry I have weird notes today directed by Lamberto Baba and uh, written by I'm not going to butcher anybody's name but I want to say the only important name is Dario Argento and I'm really not going to go through the cast because it's just going to make everybody giggle, and I don't think there's anybody. <laughs> bunch of Italians, and then uh, 
I'm just not disparaging the fine people of Italy. I, I, I really, maybe Wilson probably, I'm sure he knows, but uh, was this released in both places at the same time? Or, because I know that the big thing here was the soundtrack, because they did have a big American soundtrack. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was an exact dual release, but there was a huge push for this to be a crossover situation, um, obviously, which we'll get into with the, the soundtrack and kind of the approach and the differences from a lot of other Italian sure. horror from this era. Um, but yeah, and, to answer your question, I don't know specifically, but I think they were relatively close. And yeah, I know, uh, I, I know like uh, probably <laughs> partnership, sorry, but... Uh, I was gonna. I was just gonna mention Zombie and like Dawn of the Dead, and so I know like this one. Um, instead of like you know trying to make all these dual movies or or you know partner when it came from one you know the U.S. distribution to Italian, uh, that this one was kind of more just kind of marketed the same everywhere. So definitely, and of note as well uh, to further that crossover idea, it wasn't filmed in Italy. Like, I mean, it's an Italian production, but I think it was filmed in, like, France or Germany? Professor, do you know? Berlin. Yeah, it's yeah. Berlin. Yeah. Set in Berlin. Yeah. So it was it was interesting because I'm looking around at the sets and I'm like, that's not Italy. That's not it. That's not Italy. That's not it. So, uh, yeah. So they're trying to cross a lot of different markets with that. And, Toddy, you're totally right in terms of Argento always kind of made a splash in America. Uh, his direct relationship with Romero and working on Dawn of the Dead, as you mentioned. And he had a tendency to work with uh, bigger British and American names in his movies early on. And so he was kind of like that nice bridge, especially for everybody's wallets. Um, so that you can tell um, with, with these two movies specifically that they were really trying to get deep into the American like VHS market. Um, in, in their approaches to it. And right out of the gate, just to mention it, like with the uh, soundtrack, Motley Crue, Rick Springfield, Scorpions, Go West, uh, Billy Idol. There's a handful of others too, but I mean, this is very different from most movies uh, coming from those people. I mean, it's clearly an effort to to fit in with, with stuff like Return of the Living Dead, kind of that youth horror that was booming over here. Okay. Any more initial <laughs> thoughts? Demons. Okay, so there is. Uh, it's the most basic of basic setups and plots with this. Um, we we open the film with commuters in Berlin, like riding the trains, um, and we're kind of showing everybody's routes that are going to lead to our central spot for the film, which is a movie theater. Uh, we also have a mysterious man in black um, handing out tickets to uh, the Metropole Theater. Um, With a metal face. Yes, and he Half would go metal. on to be a director. Um, he does what the third entry turned into, which is called The Church. But he also did like Cemetery Man, Stage Fright, a string of really good movies. So that guy's actually a future director. Um, but we kind of introduce ourselves to some of these uh, different characters. We've got Cheryl and Kathy. Uh, two girls riding along there. They meet a couple of guys at the theater, George and Ken. We've got a blind man and his guide daughter, a married couple, um, a pimp, and two hookers. 
Uh, and so, <laughs> usual night at the movies. Yeah, yeah it's, so, it's like an office party, business outing <laughs> things, like employee appreciation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, he brought summer yeah, sausage. Uh, yeah, you got to keep the town happy. Um, and so basically we get these uh, interesting characters all into the movie theater. Uh, at the movie theater, uh, it's an interesting little side note that it's kind of a, looks like a Romero uh, tribute there with the Knight Rider stuff uh, that they actually kind of incorporate uh, later in the movie. Yeah. That's a good that They've gone out there uh, in the lobby. Um but then we get into kind of uh, once we get settled into the theater, the main thing beforehand is we've got a mask uh, that one of the hookers, Rosemary, tries on that scratches her face. Um, um, please, sex workers, please. Sorry. Yes. And, and she's Rick James, bitch. <laughs> you know what? I wondered if I was going to be able to hold that joke in because I was thinking that too. So I'm with you on that. Um but yeah, so as you expect, we get into kind of a movie within the movie situation, uh, the horror movie that they're at the theater watching uh, with four teenagers, four teenagers who dig up uh, gr- the grave of, I think it's Nostradamus, if I remember correctly. Um, but it's also the mask in the movie is like what they've got uh, out in the lobby uh, that she tried on now. <laughs> and then the she, mask- goes, she goes, smoking after she tries it on. <laughs> with um <laughs> so the, now here's it, this is where we get into the, the Man, territory. Grizz. grizz has not breathed or moved for 30 <laughs> seconds so uh here's where we get into the italian territory we don't explain any of this the mask causes evil and uh, slaughtering how this directly correlates to our audience they never say they don't know uh so, so in case you're thinking like that, I rushed through the summary here. It's not there. We're just jumping straight over it like we do in the movie. <laughs> that was a, in- that was an immaculate setup, honestly. Yeah. So it's basically our uh, sex worker Rosemary uh, transforms into a demon and attacks her friend Carmen, and hell breaks loose at the theater from there. We basically transfer the movie into reality. Um, and from here, I, I feel like we kind of just hit on some of the high marks that we think uh, from the chaos that ensues and kind of our general thoughts on the movies. Because I, I, I promise you, that's literally the plot. I and I, I think the preferred term now is uh, is demon. It's hellspawn. <laughs> okay, so sex worker hellspawn. Be respectful of our our demon listeners. Yeah, it's uh, a man in the back that everyone attacked and turned into a ballroom blitz. I mean, that's what's going on here. Um, also You've been to sitting on the, that for weeks. The, the man in black also drove to Haddonfield and was in a couple of installments of Halloween. To add it's to true. The, the later unspeakable sequels. He was in the Still Italian. Still wouldn't make sense. He was in the, the Italian Halloweens. <laughs> <laughs> I tag you. You get to see Mike Myers eating spaghetti as he, between his acts. But it's actually Mike Myers from like Austin Powers. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, evidently we summing up the first act. Why did we agree to do this? <laughs> uh, uh, so. So th- this movie is uh, 
makes just as much sense as I expected it to <laughs> while watching it. Um, from I mean, the first time this like I can say this is like the second time I've seen it, but uh, really, there are some really really cool visual effects. Yes, like uh, there's a point where uh, they're they're growing Nosferatu teeth. Yeah, <laughs> I think that looked that looked really cool. There's yep. a scalping scene that looks really cool. Like there's a lot of stuff like that that's really neat. It's you can wander in and out of this movie. Somebody messaged you on your phone. You don't have to pause your movie. You look down and you just look at your phone. You come back up. You're not going to be lost because you were lost from the beginning. <laughs> and what cracks me up about Italian movies is because uh, you know, as as we know, Italian filmmakers at least at that point, I don't know if it's still the same, don't record audio at the same time that they record, that they film. And so everything is overdubbed. And for the most part, it works. But sometimes the voices so don't match the actor that it's almost like cartoon character voices being put over the top of some of the actors. The pimp, for one. You got a character who's like panicking. And like their face is like, oh my god! And their but then their voice is like, oh my god. <laughs> well, the worst yeah. is uh, Bob in House by the Cemetery. The little Ooh. kid. Oh god. Oh man. Famously bad. Famously. So so bad. Yeah. But I, you know, to to kind of agree with what you're saying, but also to clarify, this isn't out there in the way that a lot of Italian horror is no. like beyond like. This oh, is yeah. more, it's it's as about as straightforward as it can be. So I think it's important to clarify that I think they're really trying to Americanize this in the sense of there is none of those uh, sur- more surreal leaps Agreed. that Italian horror frequently has. This is literally, our big jump is how it happens, but once it happens, it's like an outbreak movie. I just don't feel like of- that the storytelling is is as linear as what we are accustomed to. I do agree it is nowhere near as as surreal, like you said, as a lot of other Italian films are. But I think there's still something missing from what we are used to as Americans in storytelling. Which is a, a core purpose of what's happening. This has, doesn't have that. This film is more cohesive than many other famous Italian horror movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like It's like, this is where we're at. This is what's happening. This is where we're going. And you get that in this film. Granted, it doesn't always make sense, but there is, uh, <laughs> there is a one, two, three parts to the play. Would you say, don't you? <laughs> that they run them up a tree. <laughs> they figure out. I'm not, not going to go any further with it. And then they come out from the tree. Oh, you just got me. Tommy, <laughs> what do you think? Well, I, I'm still hearing that noise. So, and I keep, I'm like, are you wearing a now beads on your wrist? What is that noise? It's bothering <laughs> me. But also, uh, I want to say, I, I remember we rented this movie, maybe before Demons 2 came out on video. Your family? God, no. My mom hated this kind of shit. Uh, I would rent it with, like, friends. But, uh, man, I think if I would have saw this at the movie theater, 
I don't demons always scared the shit out of me like any kind of demon movie because it's just to me like you don't fuck with demons and, also, and your house had some activity it does but also they kind of this is kind of like night of the demons where it's kind of done as like night of the living dead where you like yeah. like uh so, that's like a good an movie because you get um you know you get one demon and then now another person's infected and etc uh but yeah, I just I feel like even when you know stuff's coming, there's there's good jump scares to this. Um, and there's some characters you can't help but to laugh at because like I I do love the pimp. Um, he's one of my favorite characters. <laughs> um, and then there's just some crazy stuff like uh because they do some really dumb shit. Like I don't think throwing a couple chairs in front of a door is gonna help. <laughs> these demons out <laughs> but also there's where the the one guy's like hung hung there dangling and they're just like doing all this stuff and then they just realize that the demons can climb and i don't know there's some good stuff in this movie i'm, I'm gonna go beyond that and say there's not just some good stuff in this movie. There's a lot of good stuff in this movie. Like there is a lot of good stuff in this, this movie. Is a, uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to disparage Italian horror films, but I mean, like as far as Italian horror films go, I feel like these films are the most accessible for an American audience. There's some really cool imagery. Like there's that scene where they're coming up the hallway. Oh yeah, and their eyes are glowing. That scene is really effective visually. I put that up there with uh, that scene in Blackula, where the woman's running in slow motion down the hallway. Like I, I think Definitely. it's just as effective as that. Like it, it's, I don't know. It's such a simple thing that you would have thought thought that you would have seen that more, and it would be considered more of a trope. But really, it makes it stand out. I'm surprised that effect hasn't been used more. Because of how yeah. effective it was. Sure. So, so it's uh, not like a, a huge part of this movie, but it's its calling card. You're right. It's such yeah. a, a, a good Im- piece of imagery that it ended up on all the, the movie art for it, the soundtrack. And rightly so. Those glowing eyes. Yeah, it's badass. Grizz, would you say this movie's the Larry the Cable Guy of Italian horror? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not real sure what scale we're using here when you say that. Uh, does it does done. it does it get her done? That's what we want to know. I was thinking that it was more of a Bill Ingvall. Uh, <laughs> it's not. A song. What percentage of listeners we have lost for good in the last two minutes? <laughs> say it's not a. It's not exactly a Jeff Foxworthy, but it's a Bill Ingvall. <laughs> but no, you know what? Honestly, Todd. When I think about it, if I'm ranking it in the Blue Collar Comedy Tour, it probably is a Larry the Cable Guy. That's pretty good because it's <laughs> it's it's entertaining. It you don't have to think a lot with it. Um, you know, I would say Dario Argento is probably going to be our Jeff Foxworthy on that scale. So yeah, that's a, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good ranking, Todd. Oh boy, oh, God. And, um, and and Professor. Has just died on the podcast, and he's right. We did just lose half of our audience for good. I uh, man, that is uh, that is That's tough why, to follow. I was trying to think he, of a Ron White pun. This is why he Ron White's very niche, very niche. So 
<laughs> this is why he picked the demon movies was because you didn't have enough punishment of the last time we did did the whole Italian horror. <laughs> you know, Mario Bava is going to be your Ron White because he's very niche, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> oh my god! Um, they they but they called him Pasta Salad. <laughs> Pasta Salad, I. <laughs> Italian. Um, but, I mean, at least, we're, at least we're filling out some of the time because there's not a lot of plot here. Um, uh, one thing if I do want to point out is we mentioned we're doing this on Zoom. We're on Zoom, by the way. It's we always get sense. nutty on Zoom. <laughs> I uh, want to point out, too, that we also, uh, once we start to kind of block things off in the movie theater uh, with what's going on in there, we also start following. Uh, the path of a couple of uh, quote-unquote punks uh, for that era. Oh, uh, man. We're getting yeah, into, my next uh, notes. Some sleazy the, the, cocaine usage in the car. And, and Is that the punks that are rocking out to go west? <laughs> yeah. Yes, you'll have that. <laughs> and they're they're cutting titties with razor blades. <laughs> you know. Yes. As yeah, you, what, the, what the fuck is going on there? Uh, yeah, in Italy, they were like, uh, the American punks, they love they love go west and uh, cutting it up on nips. I'm I'm waiting <laughs> for the next batch of uh, young Italian horror. Like like I really want to see what they do for American horror now because I I, I I I can only imagine what they think of us now. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, but that but that whole part of the the slicing with the razor, <laughs> I blame that solely on Italy. That's not an American problem. <laughs> But that's what they, no. that's what they think we were doing. That's right. Yeah, that's so where I, some of that sensibility is different because you're looking at stuff that's very uh, like our movies of that era. Until you start seeing scenes like that, you're like what? What is this? Like, why are we drawing this out? It's sleazy. Um, but so these punks eventually reach this uh, theater that we're trapped in. And they break did we in. mention that they were doing coke out of a coke can? Because that's what yes. Americans. Or no, I guess we didn't specify that. Yeah, coke. that was a bad gag. Hashtag America. Um, <laughs> and so they, uh, they break into the theater. And what's important about that, besides the obvious of them getting in, is they also let it out. And when they do that, it is now out into Berlin. Uh, which is a bigger issue at the uh, towards the end of the movie. Um, but from there, we really just kind of ratchet things up, uh, ultimately into the most badass scene that involves them getting that uh, dirt bike and sword out from uh, the, the front lobby and just driving through to some, I can't remember the artist, but they got some metal music playing, just hacking at these demons racing <laughs> through the movie theater on this dirt bike. It's pretty badass. Uh, and then you got the helicopter crash that that's one of the, the things I always think about with this movie is that they actually did that. You have a, a helicopter that has crashed down into the theater and it, it gets pretty insane uh, with how far they push it. And, you know, to, to kind of paint a picture for this for, for listeners, it's like what we're describing is all there, but you also have them throwing a lot of money and effort at the special effects. So I mean, this movie really is just trying to entertain. It's it's not going into because uh, I remember the first time I watched this, I was concerned that we were going to spend a lot of time back and forth in the movie and the outside the movie and tying that together. 
And I, I think it's kind of nice that we really just spend the most of the time in reality, just going ape shit in this movie theater. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to fill in some of those gaps, I mean, we, we've left out like these, uh, this idea of how good the effects are on these pustules that show up on people who are affected. They show up and they burst and they're gross. And those effects are really good. Uh, and the idea that they tried to get up into the balcony because they thought that was a good idea to protect themselves and to have safety up there and the way they're like ripping out chairs and throwing them and, sh- and shit like that. And so, yeah, I mean, there's, it's bonkers. Like, don't let me mislead you. I'm not trying to <laughs> tell you anything different, but at the same time, the professor makes a good point in that it is, uh, it's fun, but it is bonkers. But at the same time, it's well done. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 a it's an Italian complete package. I won't call it an American complete package. <clears throat> it's, it's the, the Paul it's the Paul Newman dressing. <laughs> <laughs> it is a fine, Ita- spicy Italian from Subway. We'll put it that way. <laughs> same with you know. <laughs> you you guys will never believe me, and the listeners won't either. But before this episode started, I was thinking, I guarantee we talk about the blue comedy comedy collar tour, or whatever the hell its name is, <laughs> and Paul Newman salad dressing. <laughs> and Paul Newman bl- makes a good dressing. <laughs> and, and and I was just saying how accessible it is. It's in every store. Ah, that's a good point. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anything we want to add to kind of the the meat of the movie before we jump into the very abrupt ending? I've got I've got a note and a a vague memory. There's a scene where a demon comes out of somebody's back. Yes, isn't there? yes, yeah. out of Kathy's. Yeah, back. yeah. This demon comes out of Kathy's back, and it's a good effect. Like almost, and of course, you uh, an eyeball spot. Ah. Italian or something board? gets poked in, yeah. Or something board? gets poked in an eyeball. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that little goblin vis- thing is pretty cool. Like, the visual effects back. are great in this movie. Yeah. yeah Which movie had we'll go ahead. Which movie had better green or uh, yellow pus stuff? This or Phantasm? Ooh. I'd vote this. this. Ooh. I love Ooh. Phantasm, but for yellow pus, I'm gonna give it to this one. All right. You're saying uh, I was going to say if you ever wondered what it looked like if Charles Band did something and it was good, <laughs> <laughs> just watch that come out of the back. Sir, do I need to re- do I need to remind you of head of the family? <laughs> Fine piece of that. cinema. True, uh, but I just feel like the creature that emerges uh, in both of the movies. Uh, from her back, and then the one we'll discuss in the second film, both look like something that would have been from one of his movies, but just like top shelf. It's like if uh, what, what was the one franchise? Ghoulies. If, if, Ghoulies. if Ghoulies oh, yeah. looked good. Oh, thanks for stealing my note from the second. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That was that was Ghoulies, big ass fuck. I'm gonna tell you what I I am gonna put money on that Ghoulies has been mentioned in three quarters of the episodes we've ever recorded <laughs> in some capacity. You know what I mean? 
My wedding band just rolled onto the floor. (laughs) (laughs) You talk about fraternities and sororities and people say, well, we can't let them in, but they're a legacy, right? That (laughs) someone from their family has been in before. (laughs) Ghoulies is a legacy. All right. So so it's going to get brought up. It's not that it's good or it's, or it's the best source material, but Hey, it's a legacy. So it's it's a touchstone. Apparently, it, it it reaches out a lot of different directions. It's probably time to revisit the franchise. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just asking oh questions. Give give it time, and they'll they'll make another one. I'm just waiting <laughs> on the next Leprechaun movie. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> try to fight dirty tonight. It's the same <laughs> damn year as the revisit we already did. we're doing it annually now (laughs) i will i'll be blackout drunk for the next one like gone (laughs) like you can just listen to me whisper on the mic (laughs) from my ass okay um so just to wrap up this one we end up on the the roof of the theater where we have a pretty gnarly kill on our uh man in black where we get his head sliding down on the, uh, uh, what the hell is that? Some kind of rod from the construction of the, the structure. Some rebar there. or something like that. Yeah. Um, but our, um, our surviving two are um, George and Cheryl. Uh, after that, where they kill the man in the mask, they escape and they're picked up by a Jeep of survivors. Uh, unfortunately, Cheryl turns and is killed by a shotgun fire. Uh, and then we have George drive off, uh, but it's clearly spread out into Berlin based on what I mentioned earlier, where the punks opened up the theater and people got out. And so you're left with the realization that it was not contained to just the little space we were in, that it is now going to be uh, the city and ultimately probably the world's problem at that dun, point. Dun, dun. Which the other thing I want to make sure I mention uh, that, I, that is one of the things I always think about with this movie that I kind of skipped over. It's just the quote that they use in the movie, which they also use as a tagline for the release of this, which is, they will make cemeteries their cathedrals and tombs your cities. Which I always thought was pretty gnarly. It's like some metal lyrics. It's it's honestly a little more badass than when there's no more room on Earth, or no, when there's no yeah. more room in hell, the dead will walk the Earth. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of more badass than that. Well, no, I uh, looked up Go ahead. Wow. Go ahead. I I was just speaking on Robert's blasphemy. That's okay, though. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. Oh, I thought there's no more room in hell. The dead will walk the earth. (laughs) Uh, Leonard Maltin wrote a juicy review for this. Uh, No plot, no characters, no sense. Uh, So there's that. (laughs) I think it was fun, though. Will you guys talk amongst yourselves while I, while I take a look? <laughs> take a look at the review. Uh, for my Stanley's experience book. with this movie originally, I want to point out is that when I first got interested in Italian horror, I was, uh, you know, college age. This wasn't something that I was interested in when I was younger. I saw Suspiria and it basically blew my head open. And so I wanted to have more of that and kind of, you know, chase the proverbial dragon with, with these movies. And so this was one of the first ones after Suspiria that I checked out. Um, and so it was pretty exciting at the time because I was like, Oh, these movies are not that 
different. They're not that obscure or or weird because this seemed really like a lot of stuff that I'd already seen over here. And so it was kind of this interesting curveball for me with Italian horror movies just in my, my infancy stages with it, uh, kind of being led to believe that these are going to be very similar to our movies, whereas this was more just kind of a, a one-off. So, you know, I started looking into other things like Fulci movies, and then, good God, they're nothing like like this or our movies. Yeah. No, no, there isn't, honestly. So John Stanley's Creature Features, the science fiction, fantasy, and horror movie guide, uh, his, his review is more or less just a plot synopsis, but the rating he gives this movie, three and a half out of four stars. Nice. So there you have it. Yeah, so I would recommend this to anybody that has the interest. I, I think that it's the effects alone. Like, if you're a gore hound, you've got to watch oh, this. Oh, yeah. Yes. Sure. Yes. If, if you're somebody who, you're gore hound, you, you love practical effects, I think you have to watch this movie. And they did this, uh, the horrorama that uh, Dayton does every Halloween. They did this a couple Halloweens ago, and I wanted to go really bad to see this one, but it was playing at, like, they, they do, like, all-night horror horror movies this one was playing at like 3 a.m and at the time i was like there's no way i'm gonna make it to demons but i would love to see this in the theater just because of the idea of the demons come out of the from them watching the the movie so it'd have been fun that would be cool it's not it's not a taxing watch no like it and on and really it doesn't even command your full attention like i'm not i don't mean that as an insult to it but because the plot is so loose, it's not like you have to you have to be completely engrossed in it to understand what's happening and this and that. It's a little bit different for the American palette, so I don't think it's for everyone. But I I would recommend it. I think it'd be a fun double feature with Return of the Living Dead. You kind of got some of that same spiritual fun to it, but they're very different. I think it'd be a fun uh, kind of delirious late night second feature after that. Yeah. When everybody's good and and fucked up. (laughs) Yes. All right. Let's roll into the second film. Todd, what's it called? Well, it's just called Demons 2. All right. Demoni 2. If you look across the seas. Uh. So this one came out one year later in 1986. Uh, pretty much same team. So director uh, Lamberto Vava and returning writer Dario. And uh, this one, we do see his daughter, uh, Asia, joins the cast. And uh, I, I didn't say his name in the first one, but we refer to him as just as Pimp. But Bobby Rhodes does come back as, a, as an alternate character. And I equally pulling some American horror story shit. Well, and I, I don't know if I equally or if I love this character even more, but uh, <clears throat> I, probably one of my favorites in the movies. Would you? Um, would you? Would you say you prefer his pimp character in the first movie or Zorro the pimp from Frankenhooker? Damn, because I'm going <laughs> Zorro all day. Oh yeah, Frank that's Zorro. Dilemmas. Uh, Sorry, I give you a Sophie's he, choice. Is he the personal trainer in this movie? Yes. Yes. 
was watching it and I was like, man, that dude is just like the pimp in the first movie. <laughs> Shows how smooth my brain is. <laughs> no ring. Uh, and that was that's pretty much it. All right, keep going. <laughs> it's it's rated R and uh, it had a sweet ass video poster. <laughs> All right, Professor, the setup. Uh, this is literally a carbon copy of the first movie, uh, <laughs> ranging from who made it. I mean, literally everything he just said is identical. So you transfer the setting to a high-rise apartment building. Um, and instead of commuters, uh, we're getting to know various residents um, through this building. Uh, there is a televised movie occurring that many of them are watching throughout the building. Uh, we also have, uh, notably, a birthday party going on for, I think it was, uh her name Sally. Um, oh, that's going Sally. on there. Sally. And finally, I get to see, yes. They say, finally, people are dancing to the Smiths at a party. And all of my <laughs> suspicions came true. Like, this does exist somewhere. Because whenever I play the Smiths at parties, I'm asked to leave. Um, <laughs> Panic on the streets of London. <laughs> um, and so, you know, without going into a bunch of not interesting details, the, the basic launch that we have for this one as opposed to the first one is from the movie that's being televised. Um, we have a demon that attacks Sally, the birthday girl who has uh, got upset at her birthday party and went off to her own room. She's attacked through the TV, um, and from there we start to have it spread out um, throughout our apartment building. Uh, something that I thought also just interesting of note is that in this era, we had a little bit of this um, in terms of that setting with the high-rise apartment. We would have Poltergeist 3 a couple years later. Um, and so... It's, I think, a pretty fun vehicle for this kind of story. Um, so I, I like that they found a kind of another inventive um, location, like a movie theater, uh, to run our characters up a tree and see how we can get them down. Um, with that, uh, a notable difference with this that I want to point out, and then I'll hand it over here, is that we also have uh, oozing occurring, uh, much like an alien uh, occurring that's going through the floor and the ceilings and also getting to people. And uh, much in a different manner from American movies, uh, we really don't have uh, certain things off limits like we normally would uh, where we have a kid getting this as well as an animal. So, yeah, what did you guys think about kind of the, the setting for this and the setup? It also reminded me of the trioxin um, getting released through the um, crematorium and then raining mm. down into the soil, right? So we get the blood falling down and getting things. Uh, they're watching a made-for-TV movie about people going to the Forbidden Zone because it is like common knowledge at this point that the demons did come, but humanity learned to fight back. But I think it was really neat how well they handled her cut and the blood dripping into that dormant or dead demon and bringing it mm. to life. Yeah. Like, man, the setup, I'm like invested, right? So I'm looking at all this and I'm like, wow, they've got this. They're trying in the previous movie. This is fun. It, it gets silly. Like, 
in the fun way. I don't remember you getting this excited when Drops of Blood brought Dracula back to life in the Hammer films. (laughs) (laughs) I did get excited about the song Drops of Jupiter by Train. (laughs) Oh my god, it's like you guys are trying to come up with ten different things that upset me in one episode. (laughs) (laughs) So, So, there's so much going for this to kick off the beginning. And then they're dealing with Sally, who is very taxing as a character. And Sally is is drawn into this made-for-TV movie that she's watching about all this. (laughs) All of the logical things that are happening, right? About they go to the Forbidden Zone, about humanity and the place where the demons were. And it's like set up and you're like, yeah, I can buy that. Okay, cool, 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 cool. And then the demon comes through the television. And I go, that's Italy, baby. (laughs) (laughs) You know, as we joke about always, hey, that's showbiz, baby. Like, things were on a a pretty logical progression as far as an Italian horror movie goes for the first 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And then that the demon comes through the television. I was like, yep. We're still in Italian horror. And I thought you were going to say that you turned off your TV and went and shuddered in a corner for 30 minutes in tears. Well, I read my, I read my Bible. I mean, okay. That's not. not. You're, you, I, forgot, I forgot you're washed in the blood, and that does not bother you. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my that's my commentary on the setup. It was, it, it was definitely a fun setup, but it was so funny because it drew me in that it was like being very logical until it wasn't. And I was like, well, hey, hey, that's Italian horror, baby. Deal with it. It's so true. And much like the first movie, we don't explain it. There is no supernatural root cause. We just, we show it happen. Now we've got our situation on hand. We move on. And it's never explained the genesis for why we have what's happening going on. Uh, Tony, Vinny, any thoughts on initially on the movie setup? Uh, again, uh, I, I, we remember renting this. I think we might have had to pause it because my friend was like turn it off because it was like we were going to conjure the demon. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. To I, be I, fair, you did draw a pentagram in the middle of the floor. Well, I didn't tell my friend that. Um, I don't know. I thought this was fun. And, and again, like these kind of movies, again, I, I don't know. I just, I, I thought they did well with the, the idea of uh, demons kind of, again, done, done as zombies because there's just a horde of them. And uh, especially in this one, the scenes uh, where they're just like flying up the stairs and you have the scene where they look down and you just see all these demons looking up. Um, to add to uh, to to dumb characters, you have like the the pregnant woman who I'm like lock your goddamn door, like Ethan. Why you keep going outside? <laughs> uh, and then you have like a little kid that's like by himself, home alone, uh, setting booby traps. So um, I don't know. Like this one, I, I thought worked really well. It's not as good as the first one, but uh, but good. Well, as Professor said, I mean, carbon copy. I mean, we've got, uh, so the 
the black pimp from the first movie is now back as this guy leading this group of weightlifters. He is also a, did you say person of color? I'm sorry. Yes. This is Are you drunk? I said what you just now discovered. What's happening? About that guy being in a movie again. Yeah, yeah I just now learned that. I literally just learned that. <laughs> but so. I clearly your white guilt led you down to a different conclusion. <laughs> um, listen, You're done. I, I'm a work in progress, okay? <laughs> and so, uh, uh, yeah, so, so he's back as a different character, but he's also a leader to this group in the building, just as he was a leader to the group in the theater, right? Is the next demons, does the demons come out on the podcast? I hope so, and I hope they come for you. Well, I think they're on your end. <laughs> so, uh, we also, there were punks in the first movie. There's punks in this movie. There was a ghoulie who crawled out of somebody's back in the first movie, and there's a ghoulie who crawls out of the back of a kid in this movie. And so, yeah, we, we get some uh, repeated ideas in this movie. The punks in the car, like, for half a second, I was like, wait a minute. Like, are they reusing footage? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, no, wait. These people are more attractive. And nobody slices anybody's nipple with a razor blade. Uh, Which, weird decision to make. That's why there wasn't a part three. (laughs) (laughs) This one, to me, felt more like a zombie movie than the first one did. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I, I don't know what the change was, that, but it felt more like a zombie movie than even the first one. Once again, uh, I'm sorry, Robert, were you, were you done? Did you? Oh, I done. don't want to yeah. cut you off. Okay. Um, once again, great visual effects. Like there was, the, there was the face melting scene, which was like the reverse film. And then you even get some clay, stop motion animation with the veins forming like that. That was really I, good. It did, and and while I can recognize how they did it, I appreciate that they did it. Like it doesn't take anything away from it for me to to be able to know how they did it. It actually adds to it for me being a, a, a special effects nerd. I thought that was really cool. We even get some puppetry in this movie. So all in all, I I like it when you kitchen sink shit like that. That's one of the things I love about a basket case is the mixture of of whatever you have at your disposal to, to tell your story. It may not all look fantastic, although these look obviously much better than the stop motion and in, in basket case. But I, I like it when you use whatever is at your disposal to get your story told. So those are those are things I very much enjoyed about this movie. Yeah, I agree. I, I love that you know they came back quickly the year a year after and said, let's just go right back to the well, but let's just... I mean, it's really fan service. Like, you can tell they're trying to make movies horror fans are going to love. Um, and I think that's why it's held up a lot better than, than some of the other movies, especially from that region in that decade. Um, although there is some really good stuff from Italy in the 80s. But um, I, I feel like this is pretty sincere in its uh, what it's setting out to do. Uh, it achieves it. Um is there anything else we want to mention before we kind of go over the, the overall basic ideas of this one? Nah, not for me. Okay. So 
early on, as mentioned, there's the birthday party, and everybody is basically wiped out of that except for two people uh, from the initial kind of uh, situation with the with the outbreak that occurs uh, in the televised movie. And so we get the bile that's transferring through uh, the building that gets to a dog and kid. We've already referenced kind of what happens with the kid and the, the creature coming out of that. Um, and, you know, we've, we've got a few other situations. We've got a husband that's trapped in an elevator and his pregnant wife and kind of dealing with them. But really the crux of this movie is shifted to the parking garage where the bodybuilders have kind of uh, walled off and are trying to deal with the situation there. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of good kind of traditional um, moments that you would expect with that act of the film uh, that kind of, it's kind of the connective tissue for the, for the thing to keep it as a, a coherent feature. You kind of have to have that uh, situation where everybody's fighting it off. Um, but eventually we get into uh, the husband, George, uh, mentioned um, leaking a gas pipe and explosion uh, that basically kills damn near everybody there. Um, we have two original party goers, um, from that, that survive, uh, George, the husband and Hannah, um, ultimately are stopped by Sally, our first one, uh, that was infected, that was having the birthday party, uh, that leads to the two, uh, party goers being infected. Uh, but we also then have Hannah giving birth and Sally in, is in the TV, <laughs> where the movie was being televised in which we have uh, him smashing all of the TVs. And so we finally, after almost two full movies, kind of go more in the traditional Italian direction uh, for the ending of this one and uh, in, in more of a bizarre leap uh, in surrealism with that. So, yeah. But yeah, I, other than just special effects moments, I really don't think there's much else to talk about for this one because we kind of just do the first movie all over again. Yeah. But it's a fun time. Hello? Hello? Good soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> good sound effects all over. Anyone else do this book report? <laughs> my cat ate my yeah. homework. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would it, recommend this one, especially if you like the first one. Yeah, if you like the first one, definitely check this one out. I and know. it's not—it's it, not so much more of the same as like Silent Night, Deadly Night Two. It's like they're not—they're not using the same footage. Yeah. It's similar, but it's not recycled. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, and uh, I would say the 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 main demon too. Like, I mean, it's pretty pretty good. That that the image where the end where they're coming down the building and she's running. From the top, and then the scene where they're breaking the camera, I mean, it's pretty good. So, I would say that's their their big their big scene thing from from this film. That and the the parking garage where all the the demons are just wreaking havoc on all the people down there. Yeah. Okay. Where demons too. <laughs> uh, all right, Todd. Okay. Here's- Here's you where can we tell us an imaginary story about demons. <laughs> okay, well, stand corrected, Biatch. So, depending on which market and place you live. So, number one is the ogre, nineteen eighty-eight. So, the ogre. Sorry, God, doing this thing. 
the ogre, which um, had uh, Paolo Malco from Demons and Virginia Bryant from Demons 2, and directed by Lamberto Baba and written by Lamberto Baba. And then pretty much have nothing to do with demons, but they definitely labeled this as the third demons film um, in most markets, including, as you including America, uh, because Anchor Bay put this shit out. So when you go to Ooh, Anchor Bay up, is known for putting out all the good ones. If you look up at the ogre, when you look it up, you'll see the cover says Demons 3. Uh, but this one, the plot, even it's American horror writer, hunted by childhood nightmares, moves to an old mansion in Italy with her husband and young son, only to realize that her nightmares have become a reality. Oh, oh no. no. Not so again. That's, that's one. And then um, the professor already kind of mentioned that originally, uh, so our Argento was uh, involved in the church. That one was going to be Demons 3, and they wanted it to stand alone. So that is not a sequel, though. Again, in some markets, they did label it as Demons 3. And then, as somebody mentioned earlier, maybe before we started recording, but there's also 1991, there's a film called Black Demons, which I have never heard that this is associated with them, but it is in some markets. Uh, this one has even less to do with demons than the other ones. Um, this one director, Umberto Lindsay. So um, I don't think any stars related to the other films. And this one, let me find three college students, another couple and their housekeeper are besieged at a remote Brazilian plantation by a group of zombies raised by the grave by a voodoo curse. So as you can tell, it's a very much carbon copy of demons. Right. <laughs> so, uh, that's the first time <laughs> we went to record that I've heard Black Demons for Demons 3, but it is, again, uh, I think that one got released in Italy as Demons 3. So. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope that our Italian podcasting friends enjoy that. They're too busy talking about Troll 2. Jeff Foxworthy. (laughs) Or (laughs) Troll 3. Hey, you know what? To this film's credit, it was called Demons. And there were demons in the film. They gave you demons. You know, Troll 2 has no trolls, but it has goblins. Right? Yep. But it has goblins. And you know what? I have a funny feeling that somebody has wrote down the film Black Demons to look it up to probably make us watch it. Especially when I mention the word voodoo. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably the ghost that lives in your house. I don't know. Don't conjure that up. (laughs) I try every chance I get. I'm sorry. I just... I just got quiet because I was seeing if he would move his arm and I could hear the Anel Beats rustle again. <laughs> <laughs> there well, it is. Let's wrap it up here for the Midwest Monsters <laughs> podcast. We're talking uh, wild Italian horror here. And we got Demons 1 and 2 and Todd's speculation of... Are you wearing that bracelet that 
that uh, Joey gave Chandler for friendship. And friends. <laughs> there it is. There's the 10th thing I hate. <laughs> <laughs> should, uh, should we mention any uh, uh, our future? Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we're going to take a break. It's been a long season already, right? And so we're we're heading into uh, more of the Christmas season. We've come out of Thanksgiving, and we're going into Christmas. And we're busy with work. We're busy with life. We're busy with family. And so uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break. We'll see y'all again um, probably at the end of January. Um, we'll get back together to record. And- yeah, it's not going to be a long hiatus. I yeah, mean, you're no. talking a, an, an episode or two from when we we've normally a, put stuff out. We've had an impressive run without a break. So, yeah, it'll yeah. be brief. Yeah. Yeah. Just Especially a- for guys who aren't getting paid. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. If we, uh, if we start a Patreon, we'll be a little more consistent. Um, <laughs> yeah. We're going to take a, a, just a short break. And so if and- you will allow us. To enjoy some time with our family and friends, we would yes. appreciate that. And while we're on break, keep an eye out for Evan Bright, where we'll really <laughs> help us get through the holidays. Yeah, Does Train have a Christmas album? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, some of us experiencing uh, life transitions. And so just give us a little grace as you did about nine years ago when we experienced the same thing. So uh, hang out with us. We'll be back. We promise there's nothing wrong. We all still love each other very much, even when we're late to record. And uh, (laughs) we'll... uh, we'll We'll put out some more quality content for you, not on Zoom, but on an actual soundboard where it sounds good, and we'll do that. So, uh, sounding off for the Midwest Monsters Podcast, I am one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by Professor Wagstaff, and I'm wishing all of you safe and happy holidays. And I'm Miss Vinny. Hot toddy. <laughs> My friends, stay safe, stay happy, stay merry, and stay scary. Look at the flowers, Grizz. Shut up, nerd. <laughs> <laughs>